We are reading from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, and you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I have take, I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, for, uh, because of my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Welcome again to Western Park Baptist Church. Um, as we move through the month of July, we um, hold you up in prayer in your situation, whatever that might be, uh, local or from more of a distance, as we carry through on this series on a variety of psalms, summer psalms, attempting to hear uh, God's voice through the Psalter, the hymnal of the Old Testament. And I'm, I'm calling this piece uh, the statement, Teach Me What I Already Know. So that's an idea, actually, that comes from Thomas Kelly, his wonderful book, A Testament of Devotion, writing out of the Quaker tradition. Um, and he makes the point, and I... I I emphasize this even with my students at Tyndale, that if you've grown up in the church or you've been around the church for a while and you've heard, you know, a lot of sermons and, you know, you've read the scriptures yourself, then chances are you already know quite a bit about the faith journey. So he makes the point that it's, it's really yielding to what we already know. Uh, meaning, you're watching this, you're part of the congregation here at Western Park Baptist Church, or you've attended other churches, you already know a lot. I mean, you already have experienced a lot. But the reality is, is that we have to go deeper <clears throat> with what we already know, <clears throat> often. So it's not that I need to know and learn new things but I need to yield myself to what the Spirit has already taught me. And I think for the Psalms, for the psalmists, when they cry out, uh, 
and remind us to trust in God fully, as Psalm 25, that, you know, yeah, we know that. You've heard that before. But indeed, I need to trust in God fully, and so do you. So when we come to these kinds of psalms or sermons, it's highly unlikely, excuse me, that I'm teaching you something new or we're really talking about something new, but we need to hear and allow the Spirit to penetrate our hearts with what we already know. So when the psalmist says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, O my God, in you I trust. You know, the people have heard that, but, but they need to really live that. And so that's kind of where we're going in this piece. The encouragement is to make God number one in your life, if you like. You make him the center, but not simply in, just in your head, but in your heart. To live the reality of making God the core of who you are. So to be receptive to that, to act on it, not just in your head, but in your heart. And we need to do that because we also resist. We, we want to do that, but at the same time we want to do our own thing. We've talked about that. And so we need to overcome that dimension of ourselves that just wants to focus on myself, on my own person, my own ego, and forget everybody else, forget God. There, there is that tension. We live with that. So that's kind of what's happening To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. I lift up my soul. I want you to be my center. It's interesting that in the Jewish community, it was standard for people to raise their hands in prayer. So I lift up my hands. That's common experience, Old Testament worship, Lift up my hands. We may not be so physical today, but the Old Testament folk would lift up their hands to God. But the issue here is not just lifting up our hands. The psalmist says, I lift up my soul. So I want to lift up my whole person to God. That's what the psalmist is saying. Not just my hands, not just some external action, but really my heart, my mind to you. That's what I want to lift up. And so the psalmist is about then making God our center in whatever we do. And it's interesting that he recognizes right away that there are indeed resistors in his life. Look at verse 2. Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. And so the issue then is, you know, we, we don't know who the enemies were or what the enemies were for the writer of the psalm. If it's David, well, we know that Saul, the king at the time, actually wants to kill David because he's threatened by him. So there's an external enemy. But the psalm may also have been written by someone else, and we don't know what the enemies are. So for ourselves, we want to lift up our hearts and minds to God, at least that's the intention here, but I have resistors. And so then I need to know what those resistors are. And it may well not be external enemies that are the problem. It could be my own internal 
interior enemies, the parts of myself that maintain a cloak and a separation from God, that want to do their own thing. You know, in the Middle Ages, they would talk about the seven deadly sins. Well, those are sins that become blocks in our journey with God. I mean, it can be what? It can be sloth, laziness, it could be anger, it could be lust, it could be avarice, it could be pride. Those, those are all, those are some of those deadly sins. But they talk about our own resistors. That, that, that can be the problem, that can be the challenge, that I need God to help me to overcome those resistors, interior resistors, that keep me from him. And I would say that we all have tendencies towards some of these facts that keep us from God, that inhibit our faith, demons, if you like. What are, what are those realities that keep us? It's interesting, the psalmist dives right into that, verse 2. Help me, Lord, to overcome. May you help me. John talks in the New Testament about we are overcomers. Well, then we need to overcome those interior battles or fences that we put up. And sometimes we do that consciously. Often we do it consciously, but sometimes it's unconscious. It just sort of bubbles up from, you know, our deep within ourselves, what those are. So enemies, external and internal, Lord, enable me to overcome these through the power of your spirit. I want to know you, but I know I have challenges within me. That's where he begins. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long, verses 4 and 5, Psalm 25. I need your help. I need your strength. Verse 4, I need you to lead me in your ways. It means I need your guidance. Lord, I need you to walk with me, to help me on my way. That on my own, I I tend to veer off the path one way or the other. I fall into pits, whatever it might be. I need your strength. I need your guidance. So the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, some of these for sure speak about our need for guidance, to be receptive to God's leading through his Holy Spirit, to have a humble heart. Notice in verse 9 the states, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. It's interesting, the word for humble there speaks to the Anawim. And the Anawim are the poor, meaning the, the poor of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the Anawim. I am humble before you. I need you. You know, the, the, the poor of the world, in, in Bolivia, it's, it stares you right in the face. I mean, it's right there. People really needing a few Bolivianos each day so that they can survive. That's the poor. And the Anawim. So the, the writer is saying, I am in that group. I am part of that. I am part of the humble of the earth. Enable me to overcome these challenges, guide me by your Holy Spirit. And so there, there's always a need for us to be 
directed and led and guided by the Spirit, Father, Son, Spirit. And the interior presence of the Spirit leads us, if we are open and if if we are attentive, God will guide us. I mean, he will. He will enable us to walk in his ways. And so the prayer here of the psalmist begins with, you know, I have enemies and I need you to guide me. And then not only that, I need your forgiveness. I, I, I like this in this psalm, verses 7 and 8, verse 11, verse 18. Three times in this psalm, the psalmist refers to his need for forgiveness. So, for example, verse 7 and 8. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. That's once. But then in verse 11, it repeats it. Verse 18, it repeats it. I need you to forgive me. I am aware of my sins and I need your forgiving presence, your compassion, your kessed, your steadfast love to overcome my sins. There's a recognition. And notice, not just the sins of my youth, but it's also my transgressions. The, the word there is what we know. To sin is to miss the mark. That's what the word literally means. I miss the mark. Remember the sins of my youth. But the word for transgressions is our, our own mature sins. It's, it's no longer just the sins of my youth. It's my sins now as an adult. My transgression. And the the psalmist writes, Lord, forgive me of those. It's not just when I messed up, you know, in my whenever, adolescence or in my 20s. It's me as an adult messing up. And I need your forgiveness in my heart and life now. So there's a big awareness of that three times in the psalm. So I need your guidance, but I also need your forgiveness. I need your presence with me. And so in the, in this first part of the psalm then, we are praying that I lift up my, not only my hands, but my heart and my soul to you. So what helps us here to enable us to keep lifting up our hearts and minds? Well, one thing we can think of, just as a body, our physical body needs food and water. We need it regularly. We need that nutrition so do and does our spiritual reality. We need spiritual feeding as much as we need physical feeling, feeding. We need spiritual nutrition. So what will feed my soul? What will feed my heart? What will feed my mind? What is that? In the New Testament, Jesus talks about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when he says, I am the way, the truth, when Jesus says that, John fourteen six, he's not meaning uh, uh, what you need to do is to know and learn more intellectual truths, abstract truths about divine things. That, that's not what the truth is there for him. It's not just abstractions. But I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth means my, my receptivity and my openness to God's presence in my life. So it's not just speaking about intellect, it's about opening my life up and walking. Remember, God speaks to us wherever we are with whatever capacity we have. 
And somebody with far less intellectual capacity may be way more open to the truth than somebody who's a genius on the scale, but who's not open to the truth. So the truth is God's presence in my life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. And so the truth is me, you, walking in our experience with God day to day. I need you. I need to feed on you. So what is it? What will help you feed on Jesus? It's to feed on our triune God. It's very important for us to ask that question, to be aware of how I feed and what really is nutrition for me. And you know what? As we grow in age, those habits may need to change. What worked for you in your 20s and 30s in terms of feeding on God may not work so well for you now as more mature adults. So what will enable you now to feed? Those are very important questions. And the enemies in your heart, your interior enemies, won't help you to to explore those realities and those truths. The interior enemies want us to stay stuck, just stuck where we are, where we need to actually grow and open up. So, you know, what what will help you there? You need to explore that. We're quoting Coretto. Coretto talks about for himself the cosmos, nature is a big piece for him. Secondly, the scriptures, read the scriptures, really allow them to speak to your heart. And for him, thirdly, as a Catholic, it was the Eucharist. It was to take the communion, bread and wine, every day. I think it's a wonderful tradition in the Catholic Church. Every day you take the Eucharist. Wow. Every day you feed on Jesus in that way. For us as Baptists, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. In whatever we do that, feed on Jesus directly with a symbol of bread and wine, that would probably be a very powerful tool for us. But the point is to learn how I continue to feed on Jesus, to overcome those enemies, to allow me to be guided by the Spirit, and to know that indeed I am forgiven and accepted by God. That's that's all of where the psalmist begins, I would suggest. And then it moves on to what, what is the result of that? Well, he calls it friendship with the Lord in the NRSV. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them, verse 14. I like that phrase, the friendship of the Lord. It means intimacy. It means closeness. And so the NIV doesn't use that phrase. It uses the word confide. Friendship is confiding in God. God confides with us. So it it talks about being close. So the result of really looking to God is that we become close with him. That's the great gift. The creator, the savior of, of the entire universe wants to walk close with you and with me. I mean, what else could, what could be better than that? And so the invitation is to really go with that. Amidst all the crap that we go through, all the challenges we face, always face, the exigencies of life, in spite of all that, we are invited to walk close with God, to be friends with the Lord. The Lord confides in us. 
He wants intimacy with us. That's where the psalmist is going. So we are invited to be mindful of him. Verse 14, it says to fear the Lord. Fear not, note, be anxious of the Lord, but to be mindful of him. For friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. That doesn't mean being afraid of him. Remember, fear him in the Old Testament is to revere, to worship. It means to be mindful. And mindful, verse 14, of his covenant. To be mindful of God's word to us. To be mindful of the fact that God is also mindful of us. He loves us. He accepts us. He's there for us. I like it. From of old he is with us. Before we even ever had sins. Before we ever messed up. From of old, God is with us. His covenant is with us. So he loves you. He loves me. He's mindful of you. He's mindful of me. And we are invited then to be mindful of him. Verse 6. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Note. His cassid is from of old. His love for you is older than any of your sins. He's with you. He's with me. He loves us that much. Just as we love our children, God loves us. That's the reality. So, you know, we we lift up our hearts and minds. We're invited then, secondly, to become friends of God, friends of the Lord. And then we're invited to follow in that. So what, what helps us then stay in that position of persevering, of keeping looking to God, of yielding to what we already know? So that we don't get stuck and we don't give up. So three suggestions as I close. One is to wait. Verse 21. May integrity and uprightness persevere me. Sorry, preserve me. For I wait for you. I wait for you. I wait upon God. I'm attentive to God. I listen for God's voice. I wait Moses goes up the mountain at Sinai and he waits. He sits down and he waits. We don't know how long he waited. He waits for God's presence to come. Wait. Humble. The Anuim waiting. Good example, 1 Samuel 26, verse 10. David has a chance to kill Saul, who is his enemy, and Saul is pursuing him and wants to kill David. And, and, and David comes across Saul out in the wilderness with his men, and Saul is in a deep sleep. And the, and the friend that's with David at the time says, come, let's go now. We can strike him down. We can kill your enemy. And David's response is, no, I, I won't kill the king. Even though he's after me, I won't kill him. He is God's anointed. He is the king of Israel. I will not kill him. I will wait. I will wait for God to intervene in some way and take care of Saul. But I am not going to kill him. Wait. And so we are invited to wait. Invited to wait upon God in the midst of our challenges, whatever they are. To wait. Not to try to manipulate. Not to try to figure it all out in myself. Not to try to manage everything. But to wait. To place my 
conscious identity before God. I am before God. I recognize I am nothing. You are everything. I trust and wait in you. I place myself in your arms. Like a newborn baby in the arms of her mother. I wait. I trust. I depend. I lean. Doesn't that make sense? If God is the master of the entire universe, then surely it makes sense for me to simply wait upon him. We're not coming to, as equals here. He is creator, I am creature. So I wait. We don't like waiting. As moderns, we hate waiting. Even though, note, we're almost always waiting for something. There's always something you're waiting for. Some reality you're waiting for an appointment or, you know, my next dive trip. I'm waiting. We're called to wait for God and trust and lean on him. Secondly, to be a keen learner of God. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. One thing I've learned with my time at Tyndale over these years is that there are students who simply want to get a credit. They want to get a score, so they get the credit, so they get their degree. They're, they're, they're already just, they want to be out of the place. I get that. But, the, but they're not really there to learn in your class. And then you get other students who are actually keen. They really want to learn. They're, they're not so concerned about just getting a credit. They really want to learn. It's those kind of students that make your class a joy. If you get a whole bunch of students who just want to get through, it can be a pretty boring and difficult time, and you wish you never had to do it again. Big pain. To be keen learners. To be sponges. So can we learn to be sponges? It's reading one book, and they, they actually use a dive the writer's not a diver, but he, he's heard about sponges. And sponges are these big, like barrel sponges. Big, beautiful, soft sponges, just like a sponge. And they can live for like a thousand years or beyond. And it's interesting, a sponge is a very simple reality, entity. And it just allows the currents to come through, pass through one side of the sponge, through to the other side of the barrel. And they feed just as the currents bring the nutrients. Very, very simple. But they absorb everything. So the point is, can we learn to live in sponge mode? To receive from God his gentle teachings, encouragement, and his spirit speaking to us, who is ultimately the great teacher, the spirit of God. And then thirdly, to pray, to be in prayerful conversation as we would with a friend. So to recognize that God is not intruding on my life, God is actually my friend. He wants to be my friend, verse 14. So to relate to him as friend and not as a bother. So to go deeper in prayer every day. So, you know, ask yourself, how, how am I in conversation with God through the day? How am I allowing God through the Spirit to interact with me each day? 
to teach me what I already know, to teach you what I already know, to keep doing that, to be open to God's presence. So I, I like the statement from Jesus in the book of Revelation. Listen to it. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Listen, I am knocking at the door. I'm waiting for you to open up that door. If you don't open up in the door, I'm not charging through it. I'm not going to be a tornado and just blow through it. I'm not going to do that. You need to open up the door. So we need to open up the doors of our hearts and our minds so that the Spirit can continue to teach us and enable us and we can grow in our friendship with God. And so we all need to open our doors this week, summer 21, 2021, to open our hearts, open the doors, open the windows, man, open it all up, all the doors, all the windows of our whole house, allow the Spirit in so we might learn and know him, grow in him, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we have that invitation. You have an invitation to go deeper. In a sense, you hold your destiny in your hands. You hold that. You open the doors or not. I open my doors or not. Jesus is ready to come in. So will, will we allow our triune God to really penetrate our hearts, to open up our hearts and minds, or do we keep them shut, everything shut right up, because we just want to close in on ourselves for some reason. Hide away from God instead of opening up to God. So I pray then this week, may we hear God's word. Psalm 25, there's a lot going on in that psalm. Go back, read it. Hear what God is saying through his Holy Spirit to you this week. Through this psalm. In Jesus' name. Amen.